Hi, and welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. And I'm David Auerbach, CEO and publisher. Each episode, we bring to you the best apps, top tips, and great gear in the iOS world. And we have early reviews to talk about today for the new iPad Air and Mac Studio and Studio Display. So we're going to get into all that in this episode. First, we have a couple sponsors, or at least one. We have, yeah, we have one today. So our sponsor today is Matthias. Matthias specializes in high-quality keyboards. Um, so if you are building out your Mac setup with you with your desk, if you got the Mac Studio, or you have a laptop, and we like we've been talking about you, you're taking our advice and setting up a fancy monitor. I really recommend you check out Matthias. They've got a couple keyboards that are really worth checking out. Number one, they have a wired keyboard. Apple actually has stopped making wired keyboards. And it's silly because even though Bluetooth is getting more reliable, it's still not totally reliable. A, it needs to be charged. And B, it's just sometimes doesn't connect well, especially with computers where like, uh, if you take a, com if you're like with my setup, I used to have a Bluetooth and it's like, I take my computer away, I'd put it back and I'd have to like go reconnect it with Bluetooth. So what I have in my home office is I have my, uh, laptop, which I have on a, on a stand, I have my display, and then I have a Matthias keyboard, which is plugged into my monitor. And so it's all just plugged in and you don't have to worry about it. So Matthias has excellent high quality wired keyboards, which again, Apple doesn't make. And now their keyboards, their wired keyboards come with both a USB-C and USB-A adapter. If you do want a Bluetooth keyboard, they actually have a really excellent Bluetooth keyboard option as well. The battery life is last a year as opposed to, I think Apple's keyboards last like three months. It has backlighting, it syncs with up to four devices. So you can have these buttons and you can sync not only with your Mac, but with your iPhone, your iPad, and you just push a button and you can toggle between them all. So make sure you check it out. We'll link to it in the show notes, but uh, Matthias keyboards. I also want to take a minute to tell you about our daily tip newsletter. We have a free daily newsletter where we send you one thing you can do with your iPhone in under a minute. So it's a really low time investment. It's completely free and it's a great way to start building your skills on your iPhone because there's so much you can do with these devices and, uh, you know, a lot of times you can feel like you're just scratching the surface. So go to iphonelife.com slash daily tips to sign up for our free daily tip newsletter. I have a tip to share today that's very timely because iOS 15.4 just dropped. Um, just spoiler, what the new features in that that are cool is this feature I'll tell you about, which lets you finally unlock your iPhone with a mask on, which is like coming two years too late. <laughs> I know. But I, also, I guess better late than never. Better late than never. <laughs> There's still a lot of scenarios where a lot of people wearing masks. So yes. it, it, it's gotten great reviews, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's a little bit eye rolling. It's like, Right as Omicron surge goes down, Apple rolls out this feature. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and I think that it seems like they've just had the capability to do it for a long time, but it definitely, they are upfront about the fact that it makes Face ID less secure. Yeah. Because uh, it's only scanning your eyes, really. That, um, that's But that's part of what's so, like, frustrating about it is, yeah, it's not like they added some fancy new technology. They basically just... Gave up. gave up but like they'd been fighting the good fight for way too long to give up now <laughs> i know it's a strange move on apple's part but i do think it's good they uh are finally letting us do this for a while now you've had the unlock with apple watch feature 
Um, that was something that Apple did also during the pandemic while letting you unlock your iPhone as long as you're wearing your Apple Watch. But even though I own an Apple Watch and many people do not, I don't always wear it. So even that didn't end up being like reliable enough to make it not a pain. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this new feature lets you unlock with your mask on. And the other feature that came out with iOS 15.4 um, that people have been, there's like buzz around is just there's over like 30 new emojis. Yeah, I and have I've been having fun using them a little bit. Tested out the emojis. What is your favorite new emoji, Donna? Um, probably the melting face one. <laughs> so <laughs> give a me a reflection context. of my life. <laughs> <laughs> give me like a context with which one would use a melting face emoji. I mean, I think it's like <laughs> maybe when things in your life are melting down mm. and you're trying to make a joke about it. I see. Um, also, there's the heart hands one that I haven't used yet but maybe will i don't know when things stop melting down <laughs> yeah. um also oh the other one that's cute is you know how there's been the like almost crying face for a while where it's like if you're touched by something or you think it's cute you send that it's like the big eyes oh yeah like, I, I like sad. that one i've actually started using that one more i've recently. used it a lot but now they have it with a smiley face so it's like because sometimes i was like i'm trying to say this is cute but i'm not sad yeah um so now it's like cute and happy face. ah i like that <laughs> no do you ever because sometimes i'll have siri read to me my text messages and have you noticed this when siri reads you their text messages they say the name of the emoji oh yeah and then every once in a while you realize that you've been using it completely wrong <laughs> i know there was one i was using that I thought was like a smile, but it was really a sleeping one. Cause like the, <laughs> I don't know. I actually had, this didn't happen to me, but this, somebody texted this to a friend of mine and I was with them. It's really bad. They, they, they were telling them that somebody had died, but they, instead of using the cry emoji, they accidentally used the cry laugh emoji. Oh no. <laughs> it was really bad. That's, that's and, really and bad. And my friend's like, wait, what? Why? Why? <laughs> Along those yeah. same lines, actually, just as a public service announcement, because I've heard this happen to people. LOL stands for laugh out loud. Some people mistakenly think it stands for lots of love. And if you do that, you could add it uh, to a sad text by accident, <laughs> which I've heard like some similar things where someone's like, something really bad happened, LOL. And you're like, Oh no! Don't yeah. don't don't laugh. <laughs> I know it's been a while since I've gotten one of those. I'm trying to think if maybe my, one of my parents used to think LOL was lots of love, but not anymore. So that's good. So, <laughs> so we're circling on a tangent. back to the tip: new emojis. Oh yeah, here's yeah. the tip. Here's so how to do check it. out the emojis. I'm just gonna go ahead and make that one of the questions of the week. Let me know what emojis you like from the new iOS 15.4 selection. Email podcast at iphonelife.com. So the tip for today, unlocking your iPhone using with a mask on, um, this works for phones that have Face ID. And really, it's Face ID has become, in a way, a disadvantage during the pandemic because Touch ID has worked just fine, even with your mask on. But now Face ID works just as well, too. So you do have to go and allow this, though. For me, when I updated to iOS 15.4, it um, when I like when it restarts your phone, once it's installed the new software it went ahead and like asked me right away if I wanted to enable this feature and I did so probably that happens for everyone even though I'm on I'm on the public beta right now um but if it doesn't you just can go into your settings app go to face id then or open settings face id and passcode you have to enter your passcode to get in 
then you toggle on use use face ID with a mask and tap get started. You'll go through the prompts. It'll have you like it'll register your face again in order to enable this feature. Oh, funny. I didn't know that. Um, and then when you get the notification that it's complete, tap done. And now you'll be able to unlock your iPhone with a mask on. Another feature that I think is in that same section, so you may want to look at while you're there, that y- you told me about, Donna, which is the ability to use Face ID while, while you're not making eye contact with mm-hmm. your phone. Yeah. And I toggled that on, and I found that to be really helpful because a lot of times I'll, I'll be, like, using Face ID but either, like, having a conversation with somebody or this happens to me a lot when I'm going to pay for something where I'm talking to the person I'm paying but also trying to use Apple Pay. Uh and so having it so you don't have to make eye contact with your phone as you're using Face ID, I found to be really convenient. So it's, again, all these things are slightly less secure, but still, I think, pretty secure. Yeah. Um, so I, I would recommend toggling that on so that you do not have to make eye contact with your phone while using Face ID. And that feature, I wouldn't say, um, like, even so, it still sometimes won't register my face yeah. if it's not quite at the right angle. But it just helps make it a little less picky, which I think is nice. Yeah, I just enabled it for my mom, and she liked that because she was having, you know, kind of like struggling to hold her phone just at the right angle to have it unlock. Yeah. Um, but reports around the office, ha- everyone has said who's enabled this feature that it works like really, really well. The mask feature. The mask feature, yeah. yeah, that no one's had any trouble unlocking wearing a mask. So that's good to hear. It actually works well. Yeah. All right, so moving right along, I wanted to tell you all about our premium subscription called iPhone Life Insider. I just told you about our free daily tip, um, but we also have a premium service that has more in-depth content. So we have live online courses that you can join with expert instructors and you can chat with your peers. We also have video guides where you can learn at your own pace and watch a collection of videos um, that you want to get in depth on a topic with. And also you get a downloadable PDF that comes along with it. So um, every year we do a big iOS guide. So this year we'll be coming out with our iOS 16 guide as soon as it drops and you'll have all the content you need to make sure you know all the features and don't miss anything. Um, We also have Ask an Expert, which is a feature that lets you contact one of us if you're having a tech issue and you get a guaranteed response to your issue that you're having. We also have the premium version of this podcast without this sales pitch (laughs) (laughs) and without any uh, sponsors plus bonus content. And you get a video version of our daily tips so you can watch as we walk you through the tip and follow along on your device at home. And I'm really excited about our upcoming class. Mm -hmm. We have a class on the camera app. uh, And that comes out when? In April? April 27th is the start date. It runs for a month Mm -hmm. with Wednesday and Thursday sessions for that entire month. And then we also record the session. So if you miss anything, you can watch the replay. Or in general, if you'd rather not join live, you'll have access to all the recordings as well. But it is really fun to join the live classes. So I'd recommend joining by then so you can, uh, can come hang out with us. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and the camera course is fun. We have a lot of amazing photographers on our team. Mm-hmm. Cullen's going to be teaching the course, and um, Rayanne's creating a companion guide for it. So they not only show you all of the features of your camera app, but also will give you tips for getting better photos. So by the time you're done with it, you're going to be a much better photographer and get a lot higher quality 
uh, photos of your friends and family and pets. Yeah. And in addition, we kind of released a little bit of a companion guide. So we just came out with a guide for the uh, the revised Photos app guide. Mm-hmm. So this is the 22 version of our Photos app guide that walks you through once you take the photo, everything you need to do. So it includes both, you know, editing your photo, doing color corrections, things like that. But also one of the most common questions we get from insiders is like, around sorting your photos or backing up your photos, transferring photos from other devices. There's a lot there in terms of creating albums, transferring, uh, transferring, searching, all of that. And so this, this guide covers all of that stuff as well. So not only do you learn to uh, edit your photos to make them look better, but you can actually make sure they're backed up securely, make sure that they you know, organize them in different ways to make them more accessible, all of that stuff. Yes. So moving along, I think it is time now for us to get into our early reviews yes. of all of Apple's product releases so far for 2022. Oh, so I our have... last episode, we talked about the announcement. We gave you the recap. But it's been a couple weeks now. Reviews have been starting to come in. We've had some people on our team make purchases. So we wanted to report back. Yes. And before we dive into the products that did come out, I have one more in the sort of news rumor area for a product that we didn't get, which is a lot of people were expecting the MacBook Air mm-hmm. to be announced in the spring. The rumor is that it will be announced this year, uh, later this year, which probably means October or maybe September. Every once in a while, Apple does release new products in June, so that's not out of the realm of possibilities. Um, but the rumor is that it will be it'll have the M2 chip. So an M2 MacBook Air coming later this year. Also, the rumor is the MacBook Pros will not come out this year. Um, so they're going to, I think, skip a year for that, um, but that we will get a new MacBook Air. And um, I, I personally, we are excited about that because uh, in our office, we're a big fan of the M1 MacBook Air, and I'm curious to see what they release in the M2 version. Yeah, if you do a lot of, if you need a really, really powerful computer, the MacBook Pro is just amazing. But for most people, the, the MacBook Air is kind of the sweet spot of price and power for computers. Like, it's mm. still a really excellent computer. You have a MacBook yeah. Air, right? Yeah, and so it came out, I think it was November of 2020. Uh-huh. Um, and I've been really happy with it. The improved battery life and the portability of it are amazing. Like it's so thin and lightweight, but lasts for like eight hours without being charged, which yeah. is pretty incredible. No, it's really Definitely great it's starting to show its age a little bit. And it's now the battery life isn't quite as good as when I first got it, but it's, it's pretty amazing. I had a MacBook before this that I had to plug it in like every half hour. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so. it really, like, for a while, the difference between a MacBook Pro and a MacBook Air was price, but they were, like, actually the same weight. But now it actually is a lot lighter and more mobile. Yeah. <laughs> so that is an- another reason why you may want to consider it. Now, part of why I'm making sure I tell everybody this is you might want to consider holding off for computers if you can, because later this year, I think you'll get a pretty nice upgrade. I'm guessing it'll have a nicer display and it'll be kind of have the notch like the MacBook Pro does. Yeah. So in general, a lot of the coverage we had of the event was like, do you buy these products now or do you wait? Because Apple is going to likely release an M2 MacBook Air, also probably an iPad Pro. And we got an iPad Air now. So, it, you know, you might be weighing your options of whether to see what comes out in the fall or to make the purchase now. So yes. we'll talk about that a little bit more as well. Um, I thought it was worth mentioning when it comes to the new iPad Air that a lot of people in our office are buying it. Yes. Um, And I think like 
I would agree with that decision, which is that <laughs> even though there probably is an iPad Pro coming out later this year, the iPad Air now is really compelling. And it's $400 cheaper than the iPad Pro. No, I agree. It's putting the, uh, you know, and kind of trend combining the <laughs> people are buying it with what the reviews are. Yeah. The reviews are that it's, as expected, lightning fast. Putting an M1 chip in a MacBook Air, or sorry, in an iPad Air is makes i mean it's like we're talking about the same chip that's in the macbook air it's a really powerful chip for an ipad and i'm sure they will put some cool things in the upcoming ipad pro but really for most people i think this is the ipad for them like it's it feels like apple we talked about before but did a weird thing where they made it really obvious which ipad to get and it's the cheaper one (laughs) i know and it's almost like seems glaring like in some way we're like what is apple what's apple thinking with this because you know likely they're going to release an ipad pro and want people to buy it right now at this very moment i think anyone or most people would say buy the ipad air we definitely would over the ipad pro that we have now but i do wonder what features apple will come out with in the next generation of ipad pro that might make it compelling enough to upgrade to yeah i mean the thing that we talk about a lot is that like the iPad, the challenge with the iPad is not processor. It's, if anything, it's overpowered. The problem is, is that their operating system does not, a, is limiting in terms of using it for like actual powerful work. And so really for me, the iPad Pro only becomes a compelling product again when they update the operating system so that you can use it more like a computer operating system, like the Mac OS. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, then it's a really compelling product for me. But until then, I think the MacBook Air is the clear choice. And even with this next round of updates, if Apple puts a more powerful chip in the MacBook Pro or in the iPad Pro, which they likely will, I just don't care because the M1 is a powerful enough chip to do what the iPad does. Yeah, like already in some ways we were saying it feels like it's an underutilized chip because of the operating system limitations. And to talk about the earlier reviews, this is, you know, this was, has been our feeling for a while, but this was the consensus from all the early reviews as well, that A, the iPad Air performs as well as expected. It's really fast. And B, it's the obvious choice right now. They're like, if you're considering an iPad, it's the obvious choice. Now there's a budget iPad as well, which for some people might be a good option. It's much more limited. So if you can afford it, I think the iPad Air is the obvious choice. But again, there's a lot of trade-offs to play. Cheap, quite a bit cheaper to get the base level, which is what I have, the base level iPad, but I regret not getting the iPad Air instead. Really? Okay. Yeah, because for me, it's been a lot. I don't notice it being slow particularly, although I'm sure, you know, like doing side by side, I would notice it with a new iPad Air, but um, the display quality is really not very good, and mm-hmm. the iPad Air is and also the FaceTime camera is not very good where the new whereas the new iPad Air is now 12 megapixels plus it supports center stage that feature that um, it has an ultra wide camera that tracks you as you move so for FaceTime calls or Zoom or anything like that it it's a better choice um, and now like I do think I would want those features to be good on my iPad since we're doing so much more remote work and more FaceTiming yeah so um for all those things, and I just wanted to read out what Rachel Needell, she's a new team feature writer mm-hmm. of ours. I wanted to, she's buying the iPad Air and I wanted to share why she is. Um, so she said, the iPad Air is attractive to me because of the increased processing speed and graphics display. I play a lot of games and watch almost all my TV and movies on the iPad. So these things were primary motivations for sure. 
In addition, my research in my research, I just didn't see any reason to wait for the Pro. The rumored improvements were just not going to make the price of a Pro worth it to me. I also really don't want the home button at all anymore. I want as big of a display as possible since it improves watching and playing games. And then, like Brian said, another team member, I'm excited to upgrade to the new Apple Pencil and procreate on this better graphics iPad as well. And that you know, much sums it up. Yeah, it sums it up, except for I do want to add one, <laughs> one caveat here just in the, for the sake of clarity, that the iPad Pro does have a significantly better display. So I agree with Rachel's assessment that for me personally, it's not worth the extra money for the better display, but I do want to make sure I'm pointing that out because I, it is, it's a micro LED display, which is significantly better than the retina display on the I, iPad Air. Um, so I, I kind of want to pull up a side by side of what the display is on the base level iPad versus it's the, um, iPad air versus the pro. It's going to be a little bit tricky because of the way Apple does its branding. It's like one of them's the retina has a retina display and that one of them has, I think it's called like the super retina or something silly like that. And so it doesn't give you a lot of information. You kind of want to look at pixel count. So yeah, we have yeah, liquid the- retina versus we have a retina versus a liquid retina versus a retina XDR. <laughs> right. So the base level is retina. Yes. And the iPad Air that we just got that has the M1 chip has liquid retina. And so li- liquid retina XDR. Like, why doesn't it say anything on here that it's the micro LED? If you scroll down, it might. Um, but um, here we ah, go. Here we go. Um, so the base level is just LED backlit. So it's the same in the iPad Air and the iPad, but then if you get the iPad Pro, you get the mini LED. Yeah, but if you look at the pixel count, the pixel count is, and this is sort of what you want to look at is how many pixels are actually in there. Mm-hmm. There's what what are the pixels and what are the types of pixels? Essentially, micro LED <laughs> is uh, a way of having, so um, I'll, now that we're in the weeds, I'll, I'll explain <laughs> it. Uh, how an LED display works is essentially you have um, you have uh, LED backlighting, and then you have pixels in front of that that have display red, green, or blue. Uh, and so that's the standard how it works. Now, the more pixels you have, the more contrast you can have, the, the more opportunity for like a wider color spectrum and the better display. So more pixels equals higher quality display. But what a micro LED does is instead of having one light it has I, I don't remember how many I think it's thousands of lights behind it and so what it allows is a, a more true black display so you can if you have if you imagine a light behind it and then you have a pixel that's trying to turn off the light behind it still bleeds through and you don't get true blacks so a micro LED gives you a wider color spectrum because you can illuminate certain parts and not others and so you can have closer to true black. If you want a true black on your display, you need an OLED display, which is essentially, instead of having a backlight and a pixel in front of it, you have each pixel individually light up or not light up. And only the iPhone has this. Only the iPhone has it. In Apple's lineup. And this is relevant too, though, is it would not be a crazy idea to think that Apple might introduce this down the road to the iPad Pro, or hopefully someday they'll introduce it to the line of Macs um, or MacBooks. So OLED is clearly the best. Micro LED gets close, but it has some, it's not as good, but Micro LED is a lot, a lot better than a standard 
LED display. Okay, so (laughs) I think it's good we're getting into this, even though in some ways it's getting into the weeds because uh, the display quality is one of the like day-to-day experience type of things, along with having a really good processor that's going to make probably the most significant difference in your experience, I would say. So like knowing what you're looking at with the displays is important. It's interesting to note that for the iPad Air, there's the um, they have the anti-reflective coating and the laminated display, and that's a, that those, those are similar features that you get on the iPad Pro, whereas the base level doesn't. Yeah, um, and those are things too that they seem kind of like, do I need that? But but definitely having my iPad um, base level, it feels very glossy. Like uh-huh. when I look at it, it doesn't feel, uh, and I think it's like almost the. The laminated anti-reflective coating, it gives it more of a matte look when you're looking at the display. Oh, interesting. Instead of just like seeing the like sun bouncing off your display a bunch, which um, just, you know, isn't as good. I think it's worth understanding this too. And we're about to talk about the studio display and have a very similar conversation. But part of why it's worth understanding the differences between all of these screens and displays is not only is the display the thing you stare at all day, but there's a lot of different types of displays and there's all in the technology is moving very quickly. And so as this happens, it ends up being a critical buying factor. So the MacBook Pro has a micro LED display. The MacBook Air does not. Uh, and you know the iPad, iPhone Pro has an OLED display. The iPhone does not. So it becomes a pretty critical factor in how much do you care and mm-hmm. what are the differences. And so understanding what you're at, what we're actually talking about here, is important. And it is one of those few ways, I guess, that the Pro lines still do differentiate themselves. Yes. Like a lot of the other features now, the iPad Air and iPad Pro look pretty similar. But in that way, like looking at these specs, the iPad Pro still is quite a bit better with the display quality. With the display, yes. And so if you're somebody like Rachel, and again, (laughs) I think Rachel might be making the right price trade-off here, but if you're somebody like Rachel who's using this as a essentially as a TV as well, wants the biggest, nicest display, that's somebody, if price wasn't a factor, who might actually want to consider the iPad Pro 12-inch because it's a bigger display and it's a nicer display. But again, it's so much more expensive that for most people, most of the time, uh, I think buying a um, buying a iPad Air would would be fine, and you know you can get a 4K TV now for three four hundred bucks. It's not going to be amazing, but like my point is, if you save the money on an iPad between an iPad Air and an iPad Pro, you could spend it on a TV. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I took us on a lot of tangents here. Is there anything else do you want to say about the iPad Air, or should I move on to, to the very relevant conversation of the studio display? Well, I was just wanted to circle back to the camera quality because I think that was the, one of the other big areas that I just wanted to clarify what the differences are between the, twel- uh, the new Air and the iPad Pro that we currently have. So they both have a 12-megapixel front-facing camera now, um, and... They both have the ultra-wide camera, which allows for center stage. But the iPad Pro still has true depth, which I believe is the um, it's like better at depth sensing. With and uh, and so like portrait mode will yeah. likely be better on the iPad Pro. But I would say from in that area, I would say they seem pretty comparable, and I would be really happy with the iPad Air camera, yeah, front-facing camera. I, I agree, and especially because we're talking mostly for the iPad, you're worrying about the front-facing camera, which doesn't need to be the world's nicest camera. It just has to be nice enough. Yeah. Um, because you're not taking photos with it, but you do FaceTime and for now, most people. 
all of the iPads that we're talking about have center stage. Yeah. Which also we're talking about a lot, but I, I don't even know how essential I would consider that. I was going to ask, do you use it? I never use it. I mean, I do not use it. Um, I don't use my iPad that much. Wow, cooking and walking around the kitchen? That's so weird. <laughs> Why are you not making FaceTime calls while cooking and walking around the kitchen? Because in I every know. Apple announcement, that's what everybody does. Everybody's doing. <laughs> but, I know. I mean, I'm being snarky, obviously. But I think to me, center stage mm-hmm. is one of those things that's cool in a very specific niche situation where you yeah. do a lot of FaceTime calls, but you want to be able to have movement. You want to have people come and go or you want to be able to walk around your kitchen or like, I don't do that. If I have a FaceTime call, I'm usually like sitting at a desk or in bed and I do not need to automatically adjust the framing based on my movements. Yeah. I don't think I do either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's talk about. That's all I had to say about the iPad. Let's here. talk about the studio display um, because we're really deep in the weeds of display and a yeah. lot of the, so if, for those who are who listened to our last episode, the studio display uh, was the thing I was most excited about. Yeah, David was like ready to order one. I like had, yeah, thankfully I didn't actually do this, but I <laughs> had my hand in my wallet. Yeah. Um, so the, the reviews are sort of, it's complicated. Um, they're not bad reviews, they're just more complicated reviews. So let me walk you through it. And I'll, actually a lot of it comes down to the same issue of, um, of the actual screen quality. So what Apple did is they did not make it micro LED and they did not make it an OLED display. So there's a lot of other displays on the market for that price point that are either going to be micro LED or an OLED display. And so one of the criticisms mm. is that, that it's not quite as crisp of a display. You don't have a true black like you would in an OLED display, but it is 5K which most of the monitors on the market are 4K. And I actually- The ones we have are 4K. No, they're 5K. Oh, they're 5K. And I have noticed, like I have a 4K monitor at home and a 5K monitor here, and you wouldn't think you would notice, but like I actually do notice how crisp the image quality is. Um, The other thing that makes this monitor so great, which is what we were talking about, why I was so excited, (laughs) is it's a true pixel to pixel match with your Mac. So because Apple makes it, it's like not only does it not distort the image at all, like it doesn't stretch it a little bit in one way or another to fit the screen, it also, the colors are going to look the same across the displays, which if you're using this display and you have your MacBook like I have, and you have them side by side, it's sort of... I, I don't know if this makes me sound like I'm overly picky, but it drives me crazy when the displays are wildly different colors. In particular, like totally, they can be totally different temperatures. Like I've had this happen with my display at home where like based on whatever setting I have, it's really warm on my um, display, on my on my on my display and then my macbook is actually really cool based on whatever so the true pixel to pixel and the 5k is great if that's something you care about but for the money you're not people are kind of complaining that the quality of the actual display could be better the other thing that they did which if you remember from when they released the macbook pro they had it have 120 refresh rate this has a 60 refresh rate so they didn't 
make as high of a quality refresh rate and the refresh rate just makes it a kind of especially for if you're watching any movies or doing any video editing it just makes it a smoother experience um it's a crisper display so there's some complaints there the other thing that's weird that nobody quite know quite knows what to do with is the quality of the uh, camera is really bad now the specs are good but for some reason, the display is bad. And Apple is claiming that it's a software issue and they're going to be able to fix it really easily. Um, but everybody who's reviewing it's sort of like, well, we have to review the one we have and the camera's terrible. That is surprising because they made a big deal about it being you know, 12 megapixel, that it has center stage. So I figured it was you know, up to par with, with the best of Apple's face. You would think it would be the best because they sort of build it cameras. as... Yeah, they, yeah. you'd think it would be the best because they build it as sort of like... Uh, an audio and studio, like an audio yeah. and visual, like software or hardware. And um, I think it will in the end. I think it's one of those weird little things. This happens a lot when Apple re releases a product where there'll be some glitch right away and then they'll fix it very quickly, but everybody's freaking out. It is weird though that that would be a software issue. Yeah, but I think it's, I think it is. I think the camera is good enough, but the way the software is rendering just makes it pixelated. Okay. But they're saying like it's worse than most iPhones. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's weird. Um, so I think, I mean, at minimum, if you're going to buy it, I would say hold off until it's confirmed Apple's fixed this. Um, I still personally want it because the true pixel match seems great. But it definitely is not a no-brainer in the same way that, like, we were talking about the iPad Air is a no-brainer. Yeah, like, not having the micro-LED technology in the screen, too. Yeah. And having a poor-quality camera experience. That's, those are, like, what the... That's, like, what it is for. I know. <laughs> I think part of it is Apple was... Uh, interestingly, on the Mac Studio and the Studio Display, they were trying to actually kind of hit a sweet spot for price because they were mm. replacing a display that was four or five thousand dollars with a display that's fifteen hundred dollars. So part of it is, I think, trying to make it affordable for yeah. people. Believe it or not, this is the budget model. <laughs> yeah, but like, there's other. Again, it's like Apple for a lot of their products. If you're in the if you're in the Apple ecosystem, you don't even really want to go outside of it. Like. I, when I'm looking which iPad to buy, I am not holding up a Kindle Fire and trying to decide, do I want, which one do I want? Yeah. Uh, whereas for this, um, like, you can't, you don't need to have an Apple display. It's a little bit nicer, but, like, it's not that big of a deal. So Apple actually has to compete on specs in a way they don't in a lot of other of their products. Yeah, I I mean, because the 1600 compared to the 5000 for the iPads, um, I mean, for the Apple display that it's replacing, like, that seems like a good deal. But you can get really nice 5K displays or 4K at least for, like, a few hundred dollars. So yeah, I'm wondering what do you think makes this worth that much more money? Is it just the color matching? N well, I mean, I think the 5... 5K display itself is nicer and the quality of display like we've been talking about you can there's a lot of details buried in here where like if you want to get a comparable quality display you're not going to get it for a few hundred bucks you might yeah. be able to get it and for it's got like anti-reflective it's got the anti-reflective coating and, and it's like, got the camera which hypothetically is nice it's got the yeah. speakers it's got a lot going for it and it's 5K and so like if you wanted to get a comparable quality it is a pretty i would say top of the mid-range for monitors you're looking at like a thousand dollars so the difference is maybe you know people are saying 
you know, you're paying a premium for it for Apple, or you could spend that $1,500 and get a display that's micro LED that's a, that arguably is nicer in some ways. So it's just a complicated trade-off. I still think I would buy it, just to be clear. Yeah, I mean, it looks so nice. But um, it's just a complicated, it's a more complicated trade-off than I expected once people got their hands on it and once we really dove into the specs in a way you just can't do the minute it's announced from our last podcast yeah now what about the mac studio <laughs> um the mac studio I, I thankfully for the sake of our time here don't have as much to talk about mm -hmm. um the reviews are great everybody's saying this is sort of the pro line computer that they've been waiting for so apple released a Mac Pro a while ago when it was insanely expensive. And people were like, it's not really that much better. The cheese grater one? The cheese grater one. <laughs> uh, I was reading, I was just reading a review where somebody was saying they, to review it, they had to get the $16,000 model. And they oh, were like, it's not God. actually much better than the computers we normally use. Um, this is people saying it's insanely fast. And the reviews are really great. So uh, overall, the like I think hands-on are like, Apple has really hit it out of the park with it. They did a couple weird things, though, where they have a tray in there where you can add, um, you know, to, because when you customize your computer, you can customize how much RAM goes in it. And even if you get a computer that doesn't max out the RAM, it has little slots where you could add RAM. So hypothetically, you could do what you do on, like, most other brands of computers where you could literally buy a third-party RAM and put it in. But Apple has a software that will not allow you to do it. <laughs> like, from a hardware perspective, you could buy RAM and add it and customize your computer how you wanted. But Apple has literally built a software to say you cannot add RAM to your computer. So people who are really geeky about this stuff are really angry at Apple about it. Um, but overall, it's a well-reviewed computer where if you want a really powerful computer, it's, you know, it's a surprisingly, uh, I mean, I don't want to use the word affordable, but for as powerful of a computer it is, it is not an insane price. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear, like, Cullen, who, you know, writes about Macs a lot for us, was saying, looking at the specs and the early reviews, like, it's sounding, like, as powerful as the Mac Pro in a lot in processing power. Yeah. And it's a lot cheaper. Um, and But still, you know, it's a really expensive computer. Don't get us wrong. And you have to get a display to go with it. So... We're not saying it's cheap, but that it's like good value for what you're getting if you're a professional who needs a lot of power. And it's com it's competitive with PCs as well. Up until now, it was like if you look at PCs and you look at Macs and you want a top of the line, the price difference was insane. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, I think you are still paying a premium for the Mac, but it's competitive, especially when you factor in oftentimes with Macs because they're designing these chips specifically for these computers, the processing power is a little bit better. In other words, if you got like an eight core processor on a Mac versus an eight core processor on a PC, you get a little bit more out of it from the Mac because they do a better job of designing the computer for the chip and vice versa. So I, it's it's a well-reviewed computer that's worth considering is, is basically the bottom line of it. Yeah. But Apple, as usual, did some a couple silly things that only Apple does, like not letting you add RAM. And then the iPhone SE, I feel like there's not really that much to say about either because it's like it supports 5G. That's great, hypothetically, if you're in an area that can use it. And it has a faster processor. Um, but besides that, it doesn't have a lot of changes over the previous iPhone SE. So I don't know that I have like a lot of buying advice for people You know, on that. the only thing that I've been reading about it online is less about 
Because it, yeah, like you're saying, it's nothing about it even necessarily required hands-on. It's like a very cool, straightforward upgrade. Mm-hmm. But what, a lot of what I'm reading online is like a lot of people debating whether it's better to buy an, a slightly older model of the iPhone. Like if you bought an iPhone 12, for example, you know, it's a pretty comparable price. And the you end up with these weird, uh, similar to what we were just doing with the iPad, this kind of spread this grid of all the features and if you go back and forth it's not obvious which one to get (laughs) so that's the only thing i would say about that is when you if you are interested in the se take a look at some of the older iphones go side by side the iphone se has the nicest chip if you're looking at say an iphone 12 but the iphone 12 is going to have a nicer display it's kind of edge to edge it's going to have uh you know so you have face id so there's just complicated trade-offs going on right now with the se yeah I agree. I had one for a little bit and I didn't mind having the the home button, but I do feel like that like ultimately is the biggest reason I wouldn't want to have it longer term is because the display, it's not making use of as much of the space on the display as it could and have a button. And as much as I um as much as I try not to worry about like aesthetics because I'm like I want to be like I want to have the nicest display and the <laughs> fastest processor it just looks like a phone from five years ago yeah it's it true. feels like you're carrying a phone that's five years old the emotional appeal to an SE to me is zero like <laughs> I feel like I'm like I'd have to go out of my way to explain to people that it's a brand new phone that's actually pretty cool <laughs> and like I know I shouldn't care about that but I don't not care about that <laughs> yeah I hear that what about um, the new colors. Are you excited about the green or alpine green? You know what? I'll tell you what. Not I an had, iPhone SE, by the way. That's I had iPhone 13. So many people either email me or literally, it turns out our friends are listening to this podcast because I had so many people pull me aside and be like, I love the green. What really? are you talking about? Yeah. Really? That's so, so I don't funny. know that our, our feeling oh. that the green was ugly was a universal consensus. Yeah. We were all like, ah, it's a pretty boring color, but maybe people like boring. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly people just like boring. And then the day after the announcement, I walked in with a pair of green pants and someone goes, that's the exact color of the iPhone. (laughs) And I'm like, did you not just hear how much I said that was an ugly color? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's amazing. It's good. Like underhanded. Yeah. (laughs) All right. um, So any more questions of the week? Oh man. Um, I think let's you know, I last time, last episode, our question was sort of like, which one do you want to buy? Yeah. Uh, and we should read some of our, our next time. Well, let's read a few of those. But mm-hmm. um, I think let's let's have a similar question. Like, did you buy any of these and why? Or are you not buying them and why? Yeah. So email podcast at iPhoneLife.com to fill us in on your thinking around your purchase decisions. Yes. Of new Apple products. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back in a couple weeks with our next episode. Thanks, everyone. And if you're, if you're an insider, stay tuned. We've got some bonus content for you.